Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. And that's kind of the way it's been treated. You, you develop a product or you develop a business line and you take it to compliance to do their magic. That's not how it works. You are complex and sophisticated facilitators of a new skill set into another group of people, as well as translating very, very complex regulation and layered regulation back out to business and trying to build a depth of understanding within the business of how to adjust their procedures and behaviours accordingly to meet the expectations of multiple stakeholders. In this edition of the GRC Professional Podcast, we speak to Naomi Burley, Managing Director of the GRCI, about the GRCI's recent submission to the Royal Commission Interim Report. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional and the GRC Professional Online. With me, I have my Managing Director, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Kwame. So today we're going to talk about the submission that we made last week to the Royal Commission Interim Report. Uh, so I guess you could just start, sort of tell me a little bit about that submission and the um, sort of submissions that we got from our members. Okay, well look, uh, you, what we do as a membership-based organisation is obviously go out to our members and uh, we had the golden opportunity of having our GRC 2018 day in Sydney just before that was due in. So we got to really delve into workshopping some of the key topics um, that had arisen from the interim report the day before that uh, professional development day and the feedback we got back from members was really really um, interesting they were very very able to articulate their position around who they are as professionals and that um, I could directly feed back into the submission we put in on their behalf we had a core group of members who volunteered to write words around that and, and send that through to me and then I could put that into the report and make it sort of fit where it needed to go and then uh, send that back out to them for a double check that this was still the sentiment that we wanted to express. We kept it very um, high level and again principles based because the interim report is what it is. It's made some vague recommendations, it's recounted what's gone on, a lot of which we were watching quite closely anyway. Um, and we will be waiting for the definitive report, but we really wanted to then respond in kind with some high-level responses. Um, And some of it was absolutely essential. Our key observation through it was that the misuse of the word compliance, uh, a lack of understanding of what a compliance professional actually does in an organisation, and how that role can be better utilised within an organisation, where it should be, who it should report to, and the kind of resourcing it needs. So... It didn't, the the Royal Commission itself didn't um, bring up anything new in terms of the situation we knew existed for our members, but it certainly highlighted that despite uh, a microscope going on conduct and compliance behaviours, there was still a lack of sophisticated understanding of what what compliance professionals actually contribute. So do you think because we've known about these event these things that have been happening all along and from my conversation with our past president Carolyn Hansen saying that many of these events actually have taken place like 10 years ago that there's a bit of a disconnect from industry um, from what is being talked about in the media and how they actually feel about what's happened do you, they may not really be I guess getting a sense of the real impact I think you might be. I think you might be right there. I think that because some of these events were collated over ten years, 
um, and that was the scope of the commission, that it can be very easy for organisations to say, oh, well, that happened eight years ago and we fixed that up now or we're more mature now or we've remediated that problem. The, the benefit of the Royal Commission was getting that um, big picture view that that might be the case in specific instances of a product mis-selling or some, some um, smaller issue that was going on that was systemic across a particular line in a business. Whereas what people probably should have taken out of was that it was much more widespread. We say we, we have a principles-based uh, regulatory model so the principle should have been observed uh, out of the Royal Commission and that's what people really need to take away, that there is still an essential misunderstanding of uh, the purposes that an organisation can fulfil in addition to its financial profit remit. And, and in the submission that we made to the interim report, um, I think there were a few solutions that we suggested in raising that profile of the compliance officer. Could you just touch on some of those? Look, there, there were quite a few specific ones we got down to at the end. Uh, I essentially believe, as, as do the people who contributed to the submission, that there must be some kind of compliance KPIs in senior management and boards and they mustn't be able to be removed by shareholders who have a particular vested interest so there are a number of stakeholders that need to be consulted and shareholders are just one, um, but there have been cases of them removing those compliance KPIs because they don't understand that your directors and your CEO are also the first line in the business and they don't see a return on investment for themselves because they themselves, as shareholders, don't understand the value of um, compliant behaviours to the business continuity. Um, and it's future-proofing. <clears throat> um, some of those others around, around our recommendations were that I really do think that directors are maybe trying their hardest in their roles. They're very experienced in their particular industry, but in terms of their compliance and risk management knowledge, they need a huge uplift. They understand the principles of good governance and reporting lines and those kinds of things in theory, but being able to ask in-depth revealing questions uh, of their compliance risk staff. They don't seem to capitalise on those opportunities and I think that's because they just don't understand what those questions might be. And how would professionalisation improve industry and um, help industry in terms of meeting the regulatory requirements and policies, etc.? In terms of compliance professionalisation, I think it has um, a multitude of layers to it itself. So in one sense, being able to explain to your organisation what is unique about your skill set helps them understand how you contribute. It's an incredibly complex role undertaking a compliance role. So you're not administrative as much as they might like to think and you're not like other roles like marketing where you do the marketing um, and something a product's taken to you and you do the marketing on it. And that's kind of the way it's been treated. You, you develop a product or you develop a business line and you take it to compliance to do their magic. That's not how it works. You are complex and sophisticated facilitators of a new skill set into another group of people, as well as translating very, very complex regulation and layered regulation back out to business and trying to build a depth of understanding within the business of how to adjust their procedures and behaviours accordingly to meet the expectations of multiple stakeholders. So that's not an easy job. It's not an administrative job. It takes a special skill set. So being able to explain that entire picture 
can help an organisation better place you within the within its framework and give you better reporting lines. And that's what we'd ultimately like to see. Um, is that they're not viewed as uh, another administrative business cost function. They are viewed as the professionals that they are. And that will help as well with future engagement with technology. Uh, So technology that's been touted to assist regulatory compliance um, is an incredibly valuable tool and should take care of some of the administrative functions that fall within all roles have some kind of administration. Um, but then that means that you can capitalise on your other professional skill set to do the analysis, to do the review, to do uh, to translate uh, what those findings are from that technology. So it's not going to replace them, it's going to supplement them in a new way and, and um, that would also help uh, having this professionalisation piece articulated really well will help um, our members explain what technology would add to the role rather than it just simply being a cost-saving exercise for organisations. Right. And are there any anticipated pushbacks to this professionalisation piece? I can imagine there's going, <laughs> there's going to be many, many. I, I mean, I'm sure directors will be, some directors will be slightly offended at the idea that they don't have that depth of knowledge. Um, that's not our intention. Uh, our intention is to help them understand um, better how to get value out of the people they are paying for, their organisation's paying for. And so um, I imagine there will be pushbacks from other people within the organisation who don't want to restructure, who don't want to enable that, who don't want to have to consult at the start with compliance because they'll still have in their head that it slows the process down for them. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a selling the value proposition of being able to innovate safely um, and to develop things safely and in a timely fashion if you, if you bring compliance along with you. Um, so, yeah, I imagine there'll be lots of pushback and, and you get your usual organisational um, territory markings that you get from people creating their own little empires. Uh, so I can imagine that they won't really want to integrate with any role, whether it's compliance or someone else. Okay. And now shifting the topic just a little bit, um, of course you mentioned earlier our Sydney event that we had, I think about two weeks ago now, um, and we're having one coming up in Melbourne. Can you talk a little bit about that event? Okay. Well, both of them are are around the theme of uh, conduct and compliance and consequences. And looking at how organisations are going to be able to rebuild trust, how they can anticipate uh, what changes will come about, whether it's because of the Royal Commission recommendations, which obviously aren't due out until February, but we've already seen a shift in the behaviour of the regulators themselves, how they're going to approach enforcement, how they're going to issue new guidance. Um, They haven't wasted any time. Uh, using it as an opportunity for self-evaluation, I don't think that our members and their organisations should either. Rather than sitting back and waiting for some kind of results, the time's now to really grab it and be super proactive about it. Um, and so it'll be around those themes. We uh, have a different lineup of speakers for the most part. We will have regulatory representatives there as well from the ATO and ASIC. Um, but we'll also be talking about some, some specific... Com- compliance regulatory related topics like privacy 
um, to having Dr. Murray again on our speakers list talking about the psychology and genetics of um, poor conduct and whether you can actually do anything. So we want to inspire a bit of debate. We want to offer an opportunity for networking just as we always do and building your community of professional support as well as access to some thought leaders in this space and uh, regulators giving us some essential feedback about their focus and new guidance that's going to come out shortly. All right, well, thank you very much for that. And the last question, um, normally I'd be asking you for a bit of advice, but because Halloween is today, um, we sort of change tack to the question a bit and sort of look at what do you think is keeping our members up at night? I, I think that is the potential changes in regulatory approach and having them work more closely with your organisations may not necessarily translate into a comfortable relationship as much as you might try to um, facilitate that. I think that also the shifting priorities and attention of the board is a perennial issue where um, right now it's a hot topic but tomorrow something else will be there'll be a shiny new toy so I think that's a perennial one to keep our members awake at night capitalizing on this opportunity right now before we lose it. All right well thank you very much Naomi. Thank you Carmen. Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast is produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was composed by Rob Neary.